if rumors are circulating around that it's actually a natural who's the pilot of that mobile suit, I'm not one to believe it without question. On top of that, consider the amazing job you did getting us out of that jam earlier. I have no idea what your reasons are for deciding to fight against your own people. But as long as you remain the pilot of that Earth Force's mobile suit, you and I are destined to be sworn enemies even if we are both coordinators. It actually makes you wonder if there's no other option but for one of us to be destroyed. Huh? Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best podcast about sexy Rambaral. And I guess also all the episodes of Gundam Seed. My name is Jeremy. You know that thing that people do in anime where they just like kick an incoming missile out of the way? How do you practice for that? I'm Tyler. Very carefully is the answer to that question, because if you make one mistake, it's all about the location. My name is Zach. If you can dodge a missile, you can dodge a ball. Well, just ask Ahmed, the dead terrorist. Who? It's uh, Jeff Dunham bit. Oh. Or, you know, you just play, like, Super Sentai Soccer, where whenever a goal is scored, someone explodes. <laughs> I could deal with that. Well, especially if you're playing against a team of putties or something. Or the Three Stooges from Die Ranger. Actually, that's something I never really understood about Power Rangers. I assume it is something about, like, power armor or something. But why does everything burst into sparks every time there's physical contact? Uh, because it looks cool. Okay, there's not an explanation for that ever? No. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That satisfies all my burning curiosity about Power Rangers Sparks. So today we're going to be watching episode 19, Fangs of the Enemy, a cool showcase episode for Andrew Walfelt, a.k.a. Sexy Ramba Raw. <laughs> a.k.a. Coffee-loving Tiger. Actually, yeah. I feel like that's probably his OK Cupid profile name. <laughs> Coffee <laughs> Tiger. Is that where he met, what's her name? Uh, why, why can't I think of her name? His wife. Or lover, I'm not sure they're married. I called her his wife last episode, but Haman and Ramba Raw were definitely not married, so... I don't really get the imp- well, although she definitely lives with him. I get that feeling. Yeah, but he's so. also, like, on a military mansion base. I'm trying to remember. They might say he- it later. Actually, I think in the dub, he does call her his wife. I don't know if that's actually the case, but I think they might mention it. I feel like that's impossible because his only true love is coffee. And Takasa. <laughs> Takasa is his guy he likes bossing around. <laughs> That's a relationship. Takasa's <laughs> his bitch. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, they have a subdom relationship. Yeah, well, that's why his wife has all the dresses in that size. They're for Dacosta. <laughs> <laughs> it makes so- Actually, he's about the right size. <laughs> no, he'd, he'd be too big. You say that. Have we- do we ever see him standing next to Kigali? I don't <laughs> think we do. But I think he's about... Moose size, so... No, it's canon now. Those are dresses for Takasa. <laughs> uh. Okay, before we get to the dresses, though, there are two, I guess, general points that will lead into the episode. This is the first episode in a while that draws very heavily from an episode of Mobile Suit Gundam. Really? Where Rambaral has a heart-to-heart. Yeah, Rambaral's Attack, which is an episode where Amaro and Frau meet Rambaral in a restaurant, and he buys them dinner. And but does he insist that yogurt is the correct option? No, no. Amro is mostly like, yeah, I'm not a beggar, so I don't want dinner from you. And he's like, no, my totally not wife is totally into you. And Amaro has weird boner feelings because that's about 90% of what Amaro does. Amaro <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> is probably the most bonery of all the Gundam pilots. <laughs> the power of boners is stronger. I've learned this from CinemaSins. And then Frabo gets all mad at him for having boners at a woman instead of her. And then Rambaral lets them go so he can follow them to the white base. And then he slashes open the Gundam's cockpit and is like, what? You're the pilot of the Gundam? I thought you were like a 16-year-old scrub. <laughs> well, I'm also that. <laughs> I am but... a 16-year-old scrub and the pilot of the Gundam. Give me a while and I'll be an inksy 20-year-old scrub who has lingering issues about this chick. No, that's it's more Char that has lingering issues about uh, Lala. That is true. I mean, he has space PTSD. <laughs> which is implied to be because he hears Lala's ghost in space, but, you know, he... Wait, would you say that she's a space ghost? I would say that coast to coast. <laughs> she follows him around coast to coast. I tried to avoid making that pun, but Jeremy made it anyway. Man, Space Ghost was such a great bad show. A lot of old Hanna-Barbera cartoons were. Yeah, anyway. Scooby-Doo. 
fantastically bad old show. Yeah. Did you ever watch Jabberjaw? Because they definitely reuse uh, a lot of the same voice no. actors. Speed and uh, yeah, no, the only one I think I watched was a lot of Scooby Doo when I was a kid. They all had like they all used the same music because they only bothered to compose it once. Oh, but the great thing is the most I think it's now the second most recent Scooby Doo reboot cartoon. There's an episode where they go to a mystery solving convention and the Jabberjaw crew and like all the old Hannibal Josie and the Pussycats yeah, are all there. <laughs> That's, That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> mystery solving convention. <laughs> Yeah, because like five of Hanna Barbera's cartoons were mystery solving games. Scooby Doo just happened Jabber to be the most is popular. Scooby Doo underwater with a shark. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Who sounds like Curly from the Three Stooges? Uh, but I wanted to talk about reboots and a little bit about decompression, which I know I talked about on a previous episode. We call Sexy Rambo Rawl Sexy Rambo Rawl because I really like that joke. And also, he's Sexy Rambo Rawl. I mean, look at those sideburns; they're awesome. Why well, I love Andrew Waltfelt in his own right as a character. He's very much Rambaral reimagined for this new series, and he's probably the best character taken from Gundam and then turned into something new from Seed, except maybe Kira, who is Amaro. They are very similar. Although, I would actually say that Atherin is more Amaro than Kira is. Like, Atherin is part Amaro, part Char, right? Charmaro, yeah. if you will. But, like, Kira is, you know, this <laughs> new space person that people are space racist against. <laughs> Space races. So actually, were people racist against new types to start with? Did they even know they existed? They didn't, but there's definitely an undertone of that. It's basically said that the reason they didn't get any resources in the second half of a war was because he was a new type and people weren't into that. And also, why do you need resources? You can react faster than humans. Yeah, like, we'll just send you at, the, at that army and the rest of our army will fight that army and we'll be fine. Makes sense. It worked. But yeah, Rambaral is a super popular character in Japan and among Gundam fans. Because he's good, unlike most of the characters in Gundam. <laughs> no, I can see that. He's got a great character design. He's an affable, like, he's, like, slightly more intense Moo. Yeah. And I think Andrew Walt felt they took that character, they remodeled him a bit. And I think this episode is the, basically, conversation bit from Ramba Roll Attacks, which is, like, a five-minute scene in a 20-minute episode. And they kind of stretch it out, and they make it as good as you kind of remember that scene being, if you haven't watched Gundam in a long time, but you remember that being a real good part. Was it actually that good, or was this a better interpretation of oh, it? This is better, but it is still good. Like, we talk about how Gundam isn't actually a good show. Rumble Roll Attacks is one of the good episodes. That's one of the episodes where you can see why this like got made into a huge franchise that sells lots of robot toys. And I think they took a good part from Gundam and made it into a better part in Seed that accomplishes the goals Seed needs to accomplish at this point. And Andrew Walfelt is cool. Like, yeah, Rumble Roll was cool, but he's younger and hipper and has a sexy wife. Although Haman is definitely sexier than I remember. so <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Andrew Waltfeld is goofier. The thing Andrew Waltfeld really has over Ramba Rawl is a hobby with his making coffee. Yeah, he's got some quirks. Yeah, and his relationship with uh, DaCosta is better than Ramba Rawl's relationship with his named henchman, whose name I don't remember. Even though Ramba Rawl has like three of them and they all have characters-ish, he doesn't really treat them differently he's a good commander he clearly cares about his men like Walfelt does but Walfelt has uh, two really good relationships with his wife I want to say Ina we'll he, see soon he gets some better characterization is really the moral of the story and, and DaCosta is I talked about how they like introducing foil characters DaCosta isn't quite a foil for Walfelt he's more someone for him to play off of but he kind of serves that same purpose DaCosta is the straight man which is really weird because he's not the commander, but yeah. The guy in charge can do whatever he can can be as serious as he wants. A weird thing I noticed is that while visually Raul the Crusade borrows a lot from Shar, like Atherin, Moo, and strangely Lacus Klein actually share more in common with Shar's personality than Rao does. And he's got kind of that commander vibe that Shar had, but he's even more so, which he's makes him feel separate. He's also somewhat laid back. He's, he's also kind of a dick. He's so. got that schemer thing, and Shar was definitely a schemer. That but is, he doesn't have the actual rivalry with the Gundam pilot. Nor does he have noble ambitions. Spoiler. For, uh, spoiler for which show? Gundam? <laughs> <laughs> Pick and choose. Although, like, I feel like Shar, we find out what his motivations are really early. I think it's you know, like in episode two. It's like episode six, I want to say. It's when he's like, hey, Garma, 
There's where the white base is. Oh, I accidentally led you into the line of fire of the white base. Well, you suck and your family's going to die. Ha, 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 ha. Just like that. Ha, 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 Yeah, and then <laughs> there's the great dub. Shar, you double-crossed me. <laughs> and it's he is for making fun of it. They were trying to English. All right, so is there anything else we want to say about Ron Baral or Andrew Weltfeld before we begin? Watching him be awesome. Do he and Moo ever get in a room together? Yes. Okay. Actually, I feel like that would kind of be boring now that I think about it because their yeah, personalities really are too much. similar. They're more like, hi, I am the Moo guy. He's like, hi, I am the Tiger guy. I think they might shake hands. Yeah, I feel like they're just too laid back to really play off of each other well. And I think when they do end up in the same room, it's a situation where it's like, this would be really cool to have them interact, except for the fact that there's other crap going on right yeah, now. Yeah, I feel like they'd be stoner buddies, right? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> coffee. I would say they'd be drinking buddies, but I, neither of them really strikes me as a drinker. But I can def- Moo definitely strikes me as a drinker. Really? No, nah, he, he strikes me as a casual drinker. Like he's he's one of those guys that has a a bottle of really expensive. Yeah, actually, liquor. I just imagine drunk Moo trying to hit on women at a bar, and it's awesome. So <laughs> he walks out with like half the bar, and you're like, "How did you? How?" See, I imagine Andrew Walfelt spiking the Costas coffee, but don't imagine him drinking himself. Yeah, you need to loosen up. So I Irished up your coffee. Like <laughs> <laughs> how much? Let's see. I had a full bottle. It's now got a quarter left. So. Well, let's that just much? say my gourmet coffee press is now more of a still <laughs> than anything, so. Uh, All right, so with that, let's watch episode 19, Fangs of the Enemy. What was our ghost liquor called in, in our... I think you called it Skull Rot? No, yeah. Skullmanade. Yeah, no, it was uh, Dead, whatever that guy's name was. Was it just Crazy Ed's Skullmanade? Yes, I think because so. Because Ed was in that campaign with us for a little while? I think it was. Okay, so this episode, unlike the last couple, doesn't start with a previously on. And in fact, with the last episode ending with Kagali getting slapped, it's kind of a, I don't want to say a weird transition, but if you think of it in that, they've skipped ahead a bit. Yeah, like what happened to reconcile the fact, maybe Kagali was like, man, I really should have like calmed down a little bit. To be fair, she hit Kira first. She doesn't seem like the person who's going to take it super personally to me anyway. But I'm going to talk about this more next episode, I think. I really think this episode could have just been swapped with the next one. And there are some things that would make that tricky, but I think pacing-wise, it would work a lot better. It, it just seems odd because they drive into town and Kira and Kigali go off, and the last time we saw them interacting as a pair, Kira was slapping Kigali. It didn't really seem weird at all to me, but now that you're bringing it up, it does seem weird. And it doesn't even come up. Like, it could easily be swept under the rug. I feel like she would play that out, but Kira's probably beating himself up, up over it. So well, yeah, look I at that face. So. Look at the guilt and remorse on that face. <laughs> uh, I, he, he just looks kind of bored. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, he looks more bored from a different angle. From this angle, the extra glares, like giving him some downcast eyebrows. And, like, <laughs> so this episode begins with Kigali and Kira being dropped out of a Jeep. Rambo and Nataral are in. And they're like, we'll see you in four hours. Exactly. Rendezvous and stuff. And then Nataral tries to be casual and fails. And gets super embarrassed about it. It's so awesome. It's just like, good, do, have fun, just do your mission. Well, like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to contradict the subtitles or the English dub, but I know enough Japanese to, like, what she's literally saying is like, okay, have a good time, Ensign Yamato, I mean, um, young bo- boy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm well, counting on people, you. One of the people with her just gets this expression of, why did we bring you? He looks familiar. I feel like he's on the bridge crew, yeah, but I don't the, actually uh, know. Helsman, I think. That's what I thought. We talked last time about how it was cool to have Nataral in a casual moment. This is actually also good. It really shows she doesn't know how to interact outside of a military structure, which also explains lots of her hangups and such. Yeah, she's a hyper-analytic, goal-oriented person, and she does not really do well with the whole human interaction. But when she's in a command setting, she can be like, do thing that is pragmatic, and like that's a thing people are expected to do. It's even okay, like she's in the military for the right reasons. She wants to help people, too. She just doesn't know how to social. She's the worst psychologist on the Archangel, and they've got Moo and Maru. And, well, she's also the, well, why not send, like, Moo or Maru? Thing is, Moo's probably really recognizable, and Maru is the captain. No, I'm, oh, no, I, no, like, I was Natarlian just. Natarlian does well on his mission. It's just this part in particular. No, I was just thinking specifically, like, why would you, why would you, why would you send her in particular? And Tyler just pointed out a really awkward animation. So we, we pause it at a uh, still where they're, like, just getting ready to drive off, and Kira's, like, looking at Natarl 
probably somewhat awkwardly as she drives off, but like, man, his eyes, like, his eyes are shifted two inches to his left on his head. He's got so this weird not- <laughs> cat eye thing going on. Please, please unpause. That's really, really creepy. <laughs> oh, man, that stays on screen for a while, too. And Kigali exposits that Kira is supposed to be bodyguarding her because this town is where the Desert Tiger is headquartered. As you know, you've been assigned to be my bodyguard. Why, why would you assign Kira to be her bodyguard? Like, because he's the like only coordinator. Idea. I'm going to talk more about that because I figured you'd bring that up and it kind of is, but it's kind of an R&R for him because he kind of needs to get off the ship. And he is a coordinator. He is the best physical fighter on the Archangel. I like how uh, Nataro's basically like, it's your mission to relax. Go do that. <laughs> <laughs> She's right. but I expect like, a it- report. <laughs> I mean, that, that is actually perfectly in line I with Kigali, to... with, with all their attitudes as well. Like, Kigali trying to play it off, you know, you're supposed to be my bodyguard, so let's go. And Natal being like, you're on vacation, kind of. <laughs> I expect a thorough report about how many Mai Tais you drank <laughs> and what sorts of straws you used. Okay, I just got an image of Kigali pouring Kira back into the Jeep after four hours. <laughs> I, I actually know what happens, but, like, they show up, how many Mai Tais did he have? My ties. Um, he just got a glass of whiskey and well, stared at it for four hours. <laughs> um, how much money do we have? Why? Because there's like six bars that we, we need to pay for or we need to go real fast? Yeah, that's a good question. Do coordinators metabolize alcohol more efficiently? I assume that's an option, right? Like, coordinators aren't a stock Yeah, thing. they're just genetically engineered, right? Yeah. So That even kind of in a subtle way comes up in this episode later. Kira just got super hacking skills. So Kira's like, man, is this peaceful town really where the Desert Tiger is? And Kigali's like, yeah, look at this crater over here and that big giant battleship of intimidation. The Desert Tiger is a jerk. My argument was that the Rebellion could have just as easily caused this crater. Or Bone Cosmos. Yeah, or like the Federation or like who knows what caused that. Any Anyone who rebels is mercilessly killed. Um, Except me. I'm awesome. Well, it's like, but every time he's killed you guys, you guys have started hostilities with him. To be fair, he probably started hostilities when he took over. It's just been every time since then. We also get a, a guy in an obnoxious looking shirt out of focus in the back. Like he's wearing different colors than literally anyone else it in the really show. It really is. <laughs> like the only way it could be a more obnoxious shirt is if it was a Hawaiian shirt. It practically is. Yeah, it just doesn't have the patterning. But man, that straw boat hat. And then he lowers his sunglasses as it focuses on it, and it's sexy rumba roll. <laughs> as if you couldn't tell by his awesome sideburns. <laughs> yeah, like, so later on, we get the reveal with Kigali realizing it's rumba. Uh, sorry, Waltfeld. Um, <laughs> and like, how did she not know? He's the only man on the planet with those sideburns. Well, it's also it entirely possible that they've never actually seen him close enough that they could establish that. Yeah, but she recognizes him by sight afterwards. Or no, does she recognize him because of the henchmen? I can't remember. So after the opening, we get the title and Tyler misses it. How did I miss that? You're an idiot. And we That's cu- my general explanation for everything. We cut back to the Archangel and the camp below it. And Murdoch and Flay are cleaning out the strike and complaining about Kira just kind of living there. Which is actually a cool bit because we've only seen Kira in the strike programming basically since he had sex with Flay. And Flay looks kind of pissed about having to clean up his mess too. We then cut to Maru and Moo who are on a catwalk overlooking it talking about like, man, since when did Kira and Flay become a thing? And for some reason, the first time I was watching this was right after we recorded the last podcast. And I missed the part where it shows how Moo like figured it out. And I was just imagining like, Flay and Kira having sex on the Gundam. And Moo <laughs> coming into like, this is, something has gone wrong. Or, this is awkward. Or Murdoch and is like, well, that's not how you tune that up at all. <laughs> I'm scaroused. But anyway, Moo and Maru are like, man, what is even going on? Isn't Flay like a size girlfriend or something? Man. And also, fraternization is bad. How are we going to deal with this? Also, we can't like throw him in the brig because he's we our need only him. pilot. And Moo's like, well, I did tell him to get laid, but I didn't expect him to take it literally. Or with another person's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah, that's why we had Lacus for like five minutes, right? <laughs> but then we actually get a good bit of Moo like trying to psychoanalyze him. And they really humanize Kara where he's like, I don't know if this is what's bothering him or if this is his way of dealing with what's bothering him. But he has to feel like he's the only person who can protect us. And that stress has got to be insane because he is like 16. So apparently Moo figured it out because Kira was sleeping in the Gundam and Flay came to go find him while Moo happened to be moving through it. And Maru is like, man, I should have been paying more attention. I forgot he's 16. And Moo's like, I did too. I was even heckling him. 
And so I don't know what's going on. What are we going to do? So I like the adults being adults. It's kind of nice. <laughs> it is a little weird. They haven't really had time to do it. Other I than lo- kicking Kira into doing what they need him to do. I really like the uh, bridge scenes between uh, Mumaru and Nataral. Because I like have discussions about stuff that kind of is a nice counterpoint to all the crazy stuff going on. This is another one of those moments where just liking Nataro to be like... Brig! Brig for all of them! <laughs> yeah. Brigging condoms. <laughs> condom brig. They're, they're a missing, condom is its own brig. They're, they're missing Nataro for Logos. Yeah. They, they have pathos and ethos. <laughs> so Maru's like, uh, you're technically my senior, what do we suggest you do? And then we get this great male gaze shot of Mu is just like thinking, and he's like, um... You know, my ideas maybe aren't worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And she, yeah, and then Maru gets this awesome snarky face, which is like, I kind of thought so. <laughs> she basically and then she storms off. Well, and then she says, like, I hope a day in the city will make him feel better, which again, it's R&R for him. It kind of helps explain it. But even the people on the bridge are like, man, why did they send out Kira? And Sai is like fuming because he's a 15-year-old who just got broken up with. That's literally all he can think about. Well, and since he's not being shot at, there's nothing else for him to think about. I'd wager this, you get over this a bit faster if you're currently under fire when this comes up. No, or you, you just you push don't have, down. Yeah, you don't have time to think about it, is really the thing. That's why you throw yourself into work. Except he's got no work to do, really, so. Well, yeah. That's why if you're being shot at, it tends to be a... And they even have a talk, he's a guard, why? Like, is he strong? He's like, dude, he's a coordinator. A coordinator, shields bro. At people? Yeah, have you seen him shield drop Bakus? <laughs> Captain America, that shit. Yeah. And then we get our favorite couple. <laughs> yeah, so I I talk about it every episode, but I want to talk about Tall and Mirielia. And I just said Maru and Mu are acting like adults, but Tall and Mirielia are really the like married couple of the friend team who are like mature. They don't even seem like they're in love anymore. They're just together and they're a good team. <laughs> like there's It's a partnership at this point, more the, than <laughs> the reason you don't see like couples that are together and happy in fiction is because they're not interesting but they do make a good contrast to the kira flay side madness that's going, going on yeah and tall sticks up for kira here where muriel is like man i'm worried that Kira's not here and tall's like come on it'll be fine he needs to relax anyway and tall just being kira's friend is the best yeah just like actually being his friend and then having like a reasonable discussion with his girlfriend and like <laughs> They're definitely dead. <laughs> <laughs> we then move on to a scene where Kira is carrying all of Kugali's shopping bags. There's a special name for that position. It's Bag Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to like this weird mansion, and Saeed and Nataral are there talking to this guy named Algerie. Algerie? Algerie? Clearly. Fred Waterston. They're trying to buy water. I'm really not sure if water is literal, a metaphor, or both here. I think both, but I think mostly a metaphor. Because we see later him selling them his water, and they continue to refer to it in that context, despite obviously being illegal firearms. I think it's actually both. Yeah, I think so too, because all their supplies are burned. It's just strange. And so this is definitely a shady drug deal. And they're like, come on, do we have a deal or not? He's like, oh, yes. <laughs> I'll do anything to help my fellow countrymen as long as you stop being religious, which has never been brought up and will never be mentioned again. Well, so long as they pay. Yeah, no, he specifically chides them for caring about their religion more than their own survival. I'm like, that has not been a point that has been mentioned at all, ever. Or will be again. Also, he's like, shall we continue these discussions at my factory? And then he literally, literally does a supervillain laugh, <laughs> which I guess is to build tension. This episode does a lot of building tension and not a lot of paying it off, which I guess is to distract from the angle the actual tension of the episode is coming from. But spoiler, this doesn't go anywhere bad. They buy supplies. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost just here to cut from the other scenes for pacing purposes. I do like that showing how they're getting supplies in the desert with no supply line. But anyway, so we then cut back to Kira and Kigali, who are sitting down at a restaurant. And Kigali is complaining about Flay making unreasonable requests for... Like lotion and makeup. Yeah, like, what a crazy lady. So then they bring her some food, and Kira's like, what did we even o- order? And Kigali's like, oh, these are donor kebabs. They are the best. Add this awesome chili sauce. And then... We have a random guy <laughs> show up. <laughs> that face is so yeah. great. So then, he uh, looks like a salesman. Hawaiian <laughs> shirt guy in his hat, yes, looking like a salesman, comes over. He's like, how could you add chili sauce to a kebab? Yogurt sauce is appropriate. It's not even appropriate. How should I say? It's sacrilege to put anything other than yogurt sauce on a kebab. <laughs> and then Kigali has the best reaction, which is like, hey, you can't just like come over to random people 
and tell them how to eat your food, which is great because not only is it the most Kigali thing, she's not wrong. <laughs> to be fair, if someone actually did that to me in a restaurant, I'd invite them to come eat with me, so. <laughs> yeah, fair, but like he is, they are both crazy, right? And that's what makes the scene yeah, the, great. They're having Akira a, is just stuck here. They're like, having a condiment fight. <laughs> so they basically both thrust their condiments at Kira, and you'd think the joke is that Kira gets condiments all over him, but instead he gets both sauces on his kebab. The people pleaser that he is, he has to eat them and pretend that he likes it. Or maybe he does. It's not really clear. I got the impression he kind of actually did. I can see it either way, definitely. So then we cut across the building and there are some dudes with guns because apparently Walfelt is terrible at crushing resistance. Like, (laughs) man, okay, there's the bodyguards are terrible at noticing people. Like, yeah, there's the Desert Tiger. Who are those rando kids? Rando kids. Okay, let's shoot them. They do kind of like invite him to eat, though, because then they cut back to them. He's sitting down and Kira's like, yeah, it's, this is good. Actually, yeah, now that I see it the second time, he's like, it's not bad. <laughs> I get the feeling that they didn't really invite him he just, to like, stay. Sat, took he a just kind of grabbed a chair and sat down. Kigali gives the impression that she kind of wants him to leave. Yeah, but like Kigali has a crush care. on Kira, clearly. And when she sees her again, the first thing she does oh. is punch him. So Kira Kigali getting mad at someone is not a good indicator of her feelings. No, like I, I can see Kira maybe inviting him, but yeah. given what we know about Waltfeld and how he just kind of walked up in their situation, I totally just think Waltfeld just pulled up a chair and sat down. Yeah, he does seem like the kind of guy who would do that. Well, given that he already just kind of walked up and started talking about putting yogurt sauce on the kebab in the first place. Well, clearly he was scouting them out because he recognized Kigali, but... Yeah, that's my interpretation anyway, is he recognizes Kigali because she's just been hanging out in a jeep. My question is, did he follow them around or did he, like, just happen to be sitting there and notice them get off the jeeps earlier on? Like, how did he find them? I'm not sure and it's ambiguous. My interpretation is he saw them get off the jeeps and recognized Kigali. And was like, well... I'm already wearing a boating hat and out on the town for the day. Well, he might also, like, already have that pegged as a place that is well known for them to go. That's possible. My question is, when does he figure out who Kira is? Yeah, at what point in their discussions? Does he know now? Is that why he's come up to him? Because clearly later on he wants to talk to Kira. I I think it's uh, actually in the scene that's about to happen when they exchange. I do too. Is he going to really just sit down next to Kigali? He doesn't know who Kigali is, I don't think. We as the audience don't really know who she is. Yeah, He He just knows she's in the resistance. I think that's the case, is he knows she's in the resistance, she's talking to Kira, so Kira has some tie, but has never been identified as being a part yeah, of the resistance. He recognizes her name, though, so... Does he? Like, when, when is that point? Because I believe you, but... Uh, it's, like, right after this upcoming scene, uh, Kira, like, chides her, and uh, Walfo, like, gives her a look, and he's like, oh, that Kigali, I see. Okay, that's believable. So Kigali is like, dude, what the hell? And then they get bazookaed. Waltfelt kicks the table up as covered. Chili sauce goes all over Kigali in slow motion as Kira dives to protect her. And Waltfelt has a too cool for school look on him as the wind blows his hair. And then he pulls out a single fire submachine gun. Thing. And uh, Blue Cosmos charges them with their uh, battle cry for the preservation of our blue and pure world. Rah. That's a bit of a mouthful while we're running around shooting guns. And Kagali's like, it's a good thing they said that so I know who they are. <laughs> Anders Walfelt's bodyguards spring into action, and we get a cool cover-based shooter sequence. There's someone sneaking up on their cover. A gun goes sort of falling out of someone's hands near them. Kira rolls, picks it up, and batarangs it at the guy with an (laughs) AK-47, knocking it up so he can Batman kick them. It's the best. (laughs) And then some guy comes up and just double taps, just to be sure. At that point, Walfelt gives him a look, and I think that's when he figures it out, because he suspects Kira's the pilot of the strike as coordinator, and suddenly there's this guy that must be a coordinator, well, and they both have, Walt. like, the missile sense thing where they both, like, they both realize it, and I think Walfelt noticed Kira noticing it. So then uh, Kigali, covered in red chili sauce, comes up and goes, Kira, bro, do you even gun? <laughs> <laughs> like, they both started, mo- to speak to what Ty was saying about Walfelt noticing, Walfelt and Kira moved at the same, move at the same time. He knocks the table into the air. And Kira, and Kira goes Kira for Kigali. Th- there's not a whole lot of space there, so it's not necessarily that he noticed Kira noticed it, but the fact that Kira moved so quickly. Yeah, after the fact that he reacted. Noticed, Kigali is clearly confused as to what's going on for a couple of seconds. So then Kira gets this look of, I don't want to say disgust, but definitely discomfort as the pe- person he just knocked out is killed by a bullet by one of the people. I think it's a little bit of discomfort, disgust, and frustration. It just shows that clearly Kira isn't cool with killing people he can see still, even though he's pretty much gotten over killing people in mobile suits. And I like that touch. I also kind of like pacifistic heroes, though. 
and that battering movement is great. <laughs> and Kigali's like, oh, whatever, I guess you successfully Batmaned me. I do like the, uh, bro, do you even gun? Yeah. I'm uh, not the first time someone says that to Kira. Or rather, not the last time. No, that, that is the first time. It is most certainly not the last. So DaCosta comes out and like, Wallfelt, you're not dead, right? And it's like, yeah, this, uh, this brown-haired bro saved me. He doesn't even know how to gun. <laughs> it was hilarious. You should have been there. <laughs> I'm going to take did. off my hat and glasses. And Kigala's like, oh, no, we're boned. It's the Desert Tiger. We got a cool close-up on our eyes, too. Especially with the uh, contrast and the chili sauce. It looks yeah. really cool. And he's like, boy, you saved my life. Thank you. Like, not like he's rubbing it in, but almost. Like, definitely Kira's head has to be going like, oh, I could have just, like... I could have let them do the job. <laughs> yeah, the me. irony. And now they're surrounded by armed Walfelt's armed guards. So then we get the eye catch. Hi there. I chair the Martin DeCasa fan club. I've collected over a hundred DeCasa figurines and memorabilia. I'm very fussy when it comes to DeCasa. So, did you come to visit to hear about my collection? Yes? Good! Then listen up. My favorite DeCasa figure. It... Cute. Lovely. Smart. Plus... Amazing. You think so? Oh, yes. It... Stunning! Kindly. Love it! Hug it. When? Sleeping. Warm and cuddly. Spectacular. Ravishing. Oops! Look at the time! I kept you too long! Thanks for hearing me out! I want you to have this! Exchange that for a bicycle! Don't worry, my Baku will take me anywhere, so I don't need a bicycle! I hope you like cycling, kid! This very, very good joke was brought to you by Jeremy. In other news, Feel free, as always, to tweet at us at LTOV Gundam, or send us mail at Gundam at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com, or any of the hosts individually at their first names at LastTimeOnVideoGames.com. Also, go check out Jumpstart Weekly. This week, they release an episode on Our Promised Neverland, which is also beginning its anime debut, so maybe it's a good time to jump onto that particular train? Choo-choo? Also, both Jeremy and Zach wrote year-in-review-type articles on our website, lastpodcast.com. Jeremy's is a lot more talking about things going on with our network of podcasts, and Zach's are about his favorite video games and whatnot. So head over there to go check him out. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode, and soon, some sweet missile kick action. All right, so then we cut to the factory where he's like, oh, we got, he says we gathered water, food, and fuel for you. Yeah, so, re remember Robert Agua Ombre? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, we got some crates. Yeah, we have, look at this water. It's so legit and water. Yeah, it's 75 millimeter armor piercing rounds. <laughs> the helmsman and Natara look at them and are like, wow, these are the real things. Like, how did you get those? And he goes, let's me just say there are certain underground wells you will never know of. Water analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Natara's like, man, I can only imagine how you got this stuff. And he's like, analogy. And she's like, yeah, yeah seems legit. And the animation for the helmsman does not look like the helmsman. In Maybe it's episode. not supposed to be him. It really doesn't look like him because the helmsman has this is more of like a Japanese looking face to that most of the rest of the cast. That's fair. I, I don't honestly know. He's definitely an, uh, uh, an Archangel crew member, but he's unnamed. So Saeb is like, uh, okay, those are good. Or rather, is the merchandise good? And I was like, yeah. He's like, so can you get us everything? Like, yes, if you can pay me. Ha <laughs> ha. And he gives them an invoice and they're like, bro, this is crazy. He's like, you need to drink water, don't you? That's a huge amount of money. And basically Saeb's like, eh, whatever, I'll pay it. No, it's uh. <laughs> Rambo comes up and is like, okay, will you accept Earth dollars? <laughs> will you accept space fun bucks? <laughs> to be fair, the plants probably use, like, coordinators. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Rambo apparently has enough money to pay for it all, which uh, brings up weird implications when you know what's up with Rambo, but we'll talk about that later. So meanwhile, Walt Felt has driven Kigali and Kira to his 
mansion is like, ah, oh, come on. You can't go to your secret rendezvous. She got chili sauce all over her. She at least has to come in and take a shower. Well, I like how they drove all the way to the mansion and Kira's like, we gotta leave. <laughs> <laughs> I presume that it's kind of, it's kind of implied that Kira has been, you know, we, we need to go. No, and Walfeld has just been ignoring him the entire time because he says, we really need to go is like the first thing he says. And Walfeld's like, nah, I'm ignoring you. So then they walk in and there's like a soft focused, sexy shot of a girl's face. And it's Andrew Walfeld's lover, at least, I think wife, who calls him Andy. And I kind of love that. Man, that jumpsuit she's wearing, though. Oh, yeah. It oh, is just a fetish outfit. It's like, the so way bad. Trump, yeah. There's no reason anyone would wear that. And she's like, yep, time to shower this girl. Uh, so they separate Kigali and Kira. And, and Kigali just looks kind of, like, drugged. <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, real despondent since she, she saw Andrew Waltfeld. Well, it's kind of the uh, we're screwed moment because they're in the heart of the enemy's fortress. There's really nothing they can do. Yeah, but Kigali's Even if Kira remembers how to actually gun this time, <laughs> he's not going to outgun all the uh, djinns outside. But Kigali seems like the person who's going to crazily fight anyway and, like, jump out of the jeep, like, after biting Waltfeld's hand. <laughs> Okay, that's true. Kira goes into Waltfeld's coffee room, and he's like, I have great confidence in my coffee. Why don't you try some? Well, and I love how Kira tries to pretend that he likes it, and Walfeld's like, it's cool. I get that you don't like it. You're, you're like a kid. Kids hate coffee. And he looks over to uh, Andrew Walfeld's replica space whale fossil. <laughs> it's important for reasons. Although it's weird that he has that, because as he later goes on, he's like, I really think that did shitty things for humanity. I'm like, why do you keep that? Then? I assume he's just occupying this mansion. Ah, so it and may not also, be his. Like, it's clear he's been thinking a lot about war and stuff, right? Yeah. So, like, maybe he was trying to study it, or I don't know. Or he's recently come to this conclusion. But in any way, he's like, why do people call it whale? It has wings. Whale no have wings. And the girl's <laughs> like, what the hell would you call it? <laughs> whale wing? Wing fish? Pterodactyl! <laughs> I love the tiny-ass coffee cups they're using. I thought they were in bad perspective at first. But they're actually just small kinds. Yeah, they're just like espresso cups. Because Walfeld's a connoisseur. He's got to enjoy his coffee. Yeah, I like how Kira's given a half-assed smile in response to Walfeld asking him whether he likes the coffee. And then he's like, it's cool, I get that he don't like it. Then he get like, actually smiles. So then we cut to an awkward-ass shot of Kigali taking a shower, looking like she's in prison. Well, she really does. <laughs> well, well, well uh, Aisha, uh, girl's name I can't remember, Andy's wife, is just looking at dresses like, what am I going to put my doll in today? <laughs> She really strikes me as having that type of personality, too. Yeah, this she has really creepy undertones if you think about it too much. So then we come back to Andy and Kira talking, and he's like, man, I think hope sucks, because humans were like, man, look at this whale fossil. We could hope to be coordinators and stuff. And then we want war. Ambition sucks, and so does hope. Although that probably would have happened anyway, but that's, like, not really the metaphor of the show. So anyway, Rambo gets back, and he's like, hey, Kira and Kigali aren't here, and he calls the Archangel. First. <laughs> yeah, but first, actually, Kigali and Andy's wife come in, and Kigali is all uh, princessed up in heels and everything in this pretty green dress. We've seen it in the opening, actually. Yeah, it's kind of a mermaid cut gown. She yeah. looks good with her hair up. Yeah, and she's blushing, and Kira's like, a girl? She's like, And it's a repeat of like earlier, where he's like, what did you think? He's like, well, I mean, you just reminded me. He's like, that's the same thing, jackass. <laughs> and then both Andy and his wife start laughing at their They now ship Kirgali as much as they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually kind of wonder if that's the reason they, she dressed her up like that in the first <laughs> because place. Because she already shipped them. <laughs> <Yes>. Probably. <laughs> like, what I like is that she forced Kigali to let her do her hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's super creepy undertones if you, like, think about it for a minute. Anyway. Yeah. The Archangel's like, no, we haven't gotten called. And Rambo's like, well, you better send like a platoon of guys or something because them being late is clearly a problem. And also Blue Cosmos started a terrorist attack. Oh, wait. Can we pause this for just a second? Speaking of the dress, I know we talked about this before we actually started watching the episode, but why does she have dresses in Kigali's size? They're clearly not her size. And like, as much as I like to think they're for DaCosta, like... <laughs> Why would she? I, I guess if it's actually someone else's house, the wardrobe might be provided. So they may actually be like using, like they forced the previous occupants out and they had a daughter. And that's just. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. So anyway, Sai is like having angst as he hears that there's trouble. And he's like, I bet if I save Kira, I can prove my penis to Flay. <laughs> I mean, we get to that later, but <laughs> he's definitely having moments of Kira isn't here. Someone has to like man up and be responsible. What would Kira do? No, he's an asshole. What would I do? I would angst here. 
Whoa, it's That's what Kira would do, too. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so, yeah, again, Andy being all creepy is like, oh, that dress looks nice to you. It looks like you're used to dressing like that. And Kigala is like, well, you suck, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to properly drink my coffee like it's tea. I love his line there, though, because after she basically tells him to screw off, Walt Fella goes, if you didn't talk, you'd be the perfect woman. Yeah, and I like how she doesn't even respond to that. She's I, like, that's, that's what makes it so great, is that <laughs> no one actually responds to that line. It's not a line dignifiable with a response. And he's like, well, uh, what sort of sicko likes playing games with people? Like, burning people in dresses for no goddamn reason. <laughs> and telling people they leave and then burning down their town. It is Aisha. Ha ha. I might have gotten that right once. To be fair, she probably took her clothes to be laundered. Like, I, I can actually see Waltfeld having somebody... Yes, that. but why put her in that dress? I, I, I presume <laughs> it's got something to do with Aisha, not actually Waltfeld in that case. Yeah, probably. I mean, really, the point is to get her in this pretty dress so Andrew Waltfeld can recognize her, and we as the audience can realize something's going on with her and Rambo. Rambo Morbucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then Waltfeld's like, you have very sincere eyes, because that's not creepy at all. No. It does kind of seem like he's trying to goad her into something. And he's like, "Are you, would you also rather be dead like those people who chased me? And she's like, well, yes, I was in that Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like looks over at Kira and he's like, how do you think we should end the war? And Kira's like, with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's where he really reveals that he knows Kira's a mobile suit pilot. And again, Kira's like, how do you know that? And he's like, ah, ha, ha. The I thing th is, like, I think what that was was baiting. He was, he was suspicious of it. And that just proved it. And he, yeah. you know, he said... Said it like he knew what he was talking about and got uh, Kigali, who's not exactly a perfect master of her emotions, yep. to reveal exactly what Oh, it was. that scene actually makes a lot more sense because he's saying you have sincere eyes, so he decides yeah. to bait Kigali, and Kigali reacts, and, he, and then he's like, it's a, sometimes a bad thing to be too sincere. Because the entire thing worked with uh that's been going cure hasn't actually given anything away he hasn't really said anything he hasn't really done anything he tried to pretend to like coffee and that's about it and he <laughs> yeah. lied badly akira's not a great liar no but he's better than kigali <laughs> yeah, does kigali, kigali might be even try fine liar the problem is she doesn't really ever lie so andrew walfeld then is like time for analogies how we should be in the war because in sports you have like a timer and points but war doesn't have anything like that do we uh, gauge it when all of my enemies are dead? And I, then he pulls out the gun. I want to well, point something out here. Like, Walfeld is talking and going through, like, a drawer, whereas Kira and Kigali are on the other side of the room with Kira clearly standing in front of her like a shield. It's interesting because Kigali is not the kind of character that would normally let that happen. I think it's just kind of playing off of the whole... Although, I feel, I imagine she feels super out of her element with the way this day's gone so far. Well, that, so. that my thought was that it was combined with the whole change of wardrobe. Like, it puts her back in princess mode. It's not something that she's super comfortable with, especially in this situation. Like you said, she's already way out of sorts. Her gear's gone. And, you know, Kira's the only one who's currently thinking completely straight, especially because Walfeld rattled her by playing off of her with the bait. And yeah. by contrast, it's totally in Kira's, like, wheelhouse to stand in front of just about anyone. Yep. And be the shield. And including pretend he likes his, coffee. Well, enemies. Yeah. <laughs> so with nice dramatic, when do we end it? When all our enemies are destroyed, he points the gun right at Kira. And then we cut to Nartarl looking at the terrorist attack going, hmm, I'm not a detective. Although I would watch Detective Badgerill Adventures. <laughs> the, thing the thing that strikes me as odd about that is like they're all sitting there standing around in the terrorist attack area. Why exactly didn't his guys clean up the tables? Or why didn't the wait staff at the restaurant clean up Dude, the tables? Dude, they were like bombs. That's like a police investigation matter. They're, they are in a war zone. And Andrew Welfeld is busy playing with his guests. Yeah. <laughs> he probably forgot to tell DaCosta to do that. And DaCosta's like, man, I probably should. But what if Waltfeld gets mad at me? He seems capricious enough to do that. I kind of <laughs> see DaCosta and a couple of the other guys from the attack sitting in the Jeep going, shouldn't we get them out of there? No. Shouldn't we clean it up? No. Why not? Because Waltfeld hasn't told us to do anything. You do everything he tells you? Yes. Why? Because he's in charge and he's going to get mad if we do anything about it. <laughs> and so, he's insane. So let's play a fun game, Zach, without telling Tyler who it is. Who do you think is worse for DaCosta to work for? His current boss or his next boss? Uh, I can't answer that without spoiling anything because <laughs> I don't remember who. Oh, you don't? Oh, I that's think, exciting. I think I know who he is, but I don't actually remember in between all the tension we get that nice shot of 
Psy, like, staring up at the Gundam. Yep, it's just a real I, quick shot. I actually missed that the first time around. And then back to gun. Walt filled with gun. And there's actually a lot of cool shots of the gun. They do a lot of things with focus, a lot of flipping the perspective between Andrews and Kigali and Kira's. It's really good at building tension. And we don't talk about the music in Gundam Seed very much, but it's real, real good. And it stays good here. So then Andrew Alpha is like, don't do anything stupid. Even if you're a berserker, you can't get out of here. And Kira's like, berserker? Yeah, and he's like, we're all coordinators here. Apparently all coordinators are berserkers. No, I think I'll talk more about this later. But like berserker is kind of the term that gets used for people who have the seed explosion for a little bit. The um, He's got the barbarian it, rage. It's, it's more a matter of everyone here is a coordinator, which means everyone there matches him in physical ability. But also has the implied backup side of things of they're all militarily trained. Kira might be good, but he doesn't have any kind of training. Well, even then, I think uh, Waltfeld even says, even if you're one of the top tier coordinators, you're in like the top percentile of coordinators. But there's still a lot more of us. But my Rattata is better. And actually, Kigali has a nice quick reaction of like, wait, you're a coordinator? Because she's probably just assumed she, he's with the Earth forces. And she, although she doesn't react super poorly. I mean, she, like, it's surprise. It's, oh, and now this. She, yeah, she maintains physical contact with him, though. And, like, I think most other characters would have broken that contact. She's not space racist, but she is surprised. Yeah. It's a matter of assumption was he's with the Earth forces. Therefore, he's a natural. He's exactly. a coordinator. It's more of a startled type of thing, not a horrified surprise. It's, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. And if we're going with the idea that Kigali has a crush on Kira, which maybe she does, maybe she doesn't, a little hard to tell. She's not really open with her feelings, as we pointed out. Yeah, that she's might open be with her. Realizing she doesn't really know anything about she's him. She's perfectly open with her wrath. Yeah, she's open with her anger and not much else, which is kind of weird. I mean, it's a coping mechanism, right? Yeah. It's, she's not good with emotions, so she reacts to everything with anger. And also, she's kind of a refugee rebel fighter princess. Yeah, Kigali is weird. I talk about how I don't like this section of the series, and Kigali doesn't fit here. I think, like Zach said, though, it's a coping... Like, she has a lot of shit, and I was just trying to, uh, I guess, support the she ha- deals with a lot of shit statement. That's fair. She's also, like, 16, so... Yeah, and Walfelt's like, ah, oh, it's time for me to adjust my glasses and be smart. I saw you in battle on two occasions, and you're awesome, so you must be an old coordinator, even if Patrick is all like, nope, totes natural, you can trust a guy named Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> to, to which Kira's like, Quincy? <laughs> so then we cut to Sai looking into the cockpit of the Gundam. They really need a guard on that thing. <laughs> well, why would you they're, need they're a guard on it? Yeah, no, no one else can, can physically it. pilot also, it. Also, Kira is always inside it. So. That too. <laughs> Murdoch probably forgot. So Sai climbs in. I really like the idea of Sai getting in there and he's like, oh man, this smells awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Murdoch and Flay just clean it. She probably sprayed the last of her perfume in there. That's true. Picture like a little like air freshener hanging off the corner <laughs> of the cockpit. So then Walfeld again brings up Kira kind of being a traitor to other coordinators. And he says, I don't know why, but as long as you're a mobile suit pilot, we're enemies. And he's got the gun, and it's, again, does a bunch of shots at it, and he can shoot at any time, and Kira gets a real serious face. And again, the music does a real good job of building tension. And then Walfeld puts the gun kind of up, not down, but stops pointing it at him and says, eh, is there only option for one of us to be destroyed? And here's where he gets kind of philosophical again. And then we cut to the Archangel, where the Gundam is just breaking through its bonds and moving, and everyone's like, oh man, it must be Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could totally see Murdoch doing that. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Not again. So then uh, Walpa puts his gun away. He's like, well, you saved me today, and we're not on a battlefield, so you're free to go. Uh, I, I, Ina? I can't remember her name. Aisha. Aisha. You can show them out. And then he's like, hey, I'm glad we talked. I'm not sure if I learned anything or not. But... And I don't know if you learned anything or not, I think is really what he was getting at there. Oh, maybe. I think he was trying to convince Kira to, like, not fight. Maybe. I don't know. I think Walt felt is kind of in the position where he doesn't know why he signed on anymore. I can see that. Yep. And so he's trying to figure out, I mean, he's basically fighting helpless people and here literally teenagers. <laughs> that can't be good for morale. <laughs> no matter how good he gets at making coffee and how hot his wife is. Which is probably one of the main reasons why he has adopted that hobby of making coffee is it's like the one way he can try and kind of put everything else aside. That and bossing DeCosta around. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Uh, and having a hot wife. Yes. I mean... Probably makes up for a lot. So yeah, like I said, this is very similar to the Ramba Rawl conversation, except for Walt felt is more in control of it. It's more a, hey, let's have a cool conversation. And I think they get more talking points down. It helps reinforce the series theme with Walt felt like saying, how does war end? How do we end this cycle? I'm like literally tried that by not killing anyone. And I still got attacked. 
like this goes back to what you were commenting last episode about the uh, cycle of retaliation, and clearly he's been thinking about it this a lot. I like Andrew Walfelt, so it's cool that he lets them go. But again, that's one thing Gundam, the original, maybe did a little better, where Rumble Raw let them go to follow them. Uh, Walfelt is just letting them go because... Yeah, which is fine. It fits his character. Like I said, he doesn't want to kill them. He's already kind of established he doesn't want to kill anybody. But Well, it also plays up the side that Waltfeld, kind of that honorable foe type of deal. I don't even know that he's honorable. I think he's just sick of it. Well, partly that, but Kira saved his life. And so oh, there was a little be bit of against that. his you know, code of ethics. code of ethics or code of honor to kill the guy that just saved your life. Yeah, it's a Raul the Crusade who's going to kill you and your girlfriend for that. Yes, like that's what that guy would do, whereas Waltfeld has a, he has his defined rules of engagement. This isn't a battlefield, Kira saved his life, so he's not going to try and, or he's not going to kill him. He's going to let him go, because this is not the time or place. Yeah, on the battlefield. So Kira grabs Kigali by the shoulder and, sh- and shows her out, and everyone seems sad for a minute. Then we cut to the Gundam walking, and then Murdoch going, man, what the hell, is Kira in that launched for no reason? And everybody gathers, and then the Gundam trips. And Sai <laughs> is all sad that he can't pilot it because he's a nat. I mean, I really don't feel like it's that hard to pilot. I think he's just, like, not paying much attention. I mean, I actually, I think we've had this conversation before. I really like the idea that mobile suits are so complicated to drive that you can't do it unless you're, like, engineered to be smarter and better. Because they're complicated machines, right? Our bodies are super complicated machines. And, like, the advantage of a mobile suit over a traditional mech is it can do anything the human body can do. That is true, which would make it innately hard to pilot. Yeah, so I rather like it. And Sai in his frustration can't compete with Kira. He can't do it. He just falls over. And Murdoch's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Again. We gotta fix that now. Why? Why? Me? And Sai Shinji's down in the cockpit as the credits start to roll. And Flay runs off in sort of frustration and, you know, calls him a fool. And she's also crying. Yeah, I I think she's just now starting to realize some of the ramifications of her actions. But also she's angry that she's damaging the one thing that can protect the ship. I think (laughs) it's part. Honestly, I really think that's what's going through her head right there. She's like, that's Kira's weapon to kill my enemies. I think it's a little bit of both. I really didn't see that side of it with Flay. I think she is like legitimately upset about this. I don't know if she still has feelings for Psy. Or if she's just realizing how much she hurt him. I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's mostly that, honestly. But I also read it as like, man, he's damaging my resources. (laughs) (laughs) A random event. Your ex-boyfriend got in the mech pilot and got in the mech and tripped. (laughs) Minus one health on your mech. (laughs) So yeah, that's episode 19, Thanks to the Enemy. A good one. Even though I say I don't like this portion and I don't. This is a pretty good episode. It really establishes Andrew Waltfeld's character. He's really cool, and he's what's good about this uh, part of the series. Unfortunately, he kind of pushes out Atherin, who I would like to see some more of. It's been a while since we've had any Atherinks. Atherin goes dark for a long time. And I think that's why I don't like this part of the arc, because I talked before about how Atherin is the secondary protagonist. And when I was first watching the series, I didn't really get it. I took it at face value as Zaf being the bad guys. But what makes the series real good is that's not really the case. And sure, Andrew Waltfelt is a Zaft character continuing that torch, but... It's not it, the same character. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is makes it so interesting, is that Atherin well, and Kira are two sides of the same Given coin. the themes that the show's analyzing, I think it would have been a terrible idea for them to not have tried to humanize both sides of the conflict. I mean, as a person, I'd probably hang out a lot more with Andy, but... <laughs> oh, probably, yeah. He'd be the best wingman, right? <laughs> Would he? Because I feel like he'd just get all the chicks. Because like the... he's happily married and or has a mistress he's cool with. Yeah, I was just saying. And I... dresses girls and dresses. I, I'm, I'm pretty the, sure the vibe that... I'm getting is that they are swingers. And... Okay, so that's definitely true of Rambaral and Haman. who are definitely not married because he's even like, oh, Amaro, you're super lucky. My my lovers into you. That's not very common. You should you should take, take advantage out, yeah. of that. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they're married, given what we know of how Zaft marriage things work. That's true. I still would not. I don't put know if they've actually brought that up. I think it's the next episode if they haven't already. I'm just saying, based on the way she dresses and the fact that they keep a bunch of dresses around for younger women, <laughs> I don't yeah. think they're strictly monogamous. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said they're mar- I said they're probably married. All right. So, still no new mobile suits, and there are none new next episode either, so we can't continue our list. 
But let's do high points. Tyler, what's the high point? For me, the reveal where he takes off his hat and sunglasses and suddenly Kigali recognizes him then and not before somehow. Although I guess there were the bodyguards well, and the explosions. But... Honestly, how not not recognizing him kind of makes sense because what would the guy in charge be doing at a little side place that serves these? He wasn't covering his sideburns, though. Yes, but you're not. It doesn't matter. Like how He's many an anime people might character. have sideburns, and also who? Why is he going to be at this kebab shop? They're good kebabs. She said so herself. Yes, but what is the guy in charge going to be doing there? In yeah, he, person? you're right. He would send the Costa to get his kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> like the the odds of actually encountering him in person are so low that just having that reveal of I'm the guy in charge is just uh... <laughs> following that up with the uh, close up of her face as she comes to the realization well there's some good animation in this episode it's a good shot zach what's your high point kira not knowing how to gun yeah that's what i was gonna say but you stole it from me i'm very good at doing that uh yeah you're you're, lately you have been i think it's just we both love andrew walfelt actually i could revise my high point to uh moose staring at maru's boobs (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good So I'm going to say it's on the Tarl not knowing how to casual. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, there are actually so many nice, like, two-second moments in this episode. Yeah, like Tal and Mirielia, who really haven't done anything in a while, just being there to remind you who they are. Show is really good at character economy, too. With the exception of Cuzzy Buzzker. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I forgot. No I, one likes Cuzzy. I forgot about him. <laughs> exactly. But, I, I, like, is that his last name, Buzzker? Yes, his name is Cuzzy Buzzker. He has such a cool last name. How is he screwing this up? He's not a coordinator. He put all of his points in a cool last name. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine this is a D&D party and they're like, okay. So no superpower characters, and then the guy shows up late to the ga- gaming group, and he's like, "So I'm playing this really cool coordinator who's really good at hacking." And like, ah, so, no, no. The way I see it is that the party—it's this cool party. Okay, you're in the military, and like you're uh, in space, and your country was attacked unprovoked by a nuclear missile. So someone plays like the angry young guy, and someone plays like the angsty young guy, and someone plays the rich guy, and the guy who doesn't make characters makes Diarca. And the other guy's like, okay, I'm going to start on the enemy team, but then I'll defect when you, like, your girlfriend comes on my ship and convinces me to. But then they don't pull the trigger and they like, no, nah, my character would just stay because he's got to protect his friends. And the GM is just trying to get Kira to defect the entire time. That's the way I see it going down. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, and Moose is side. the really cool NPC he likes. He was supposed to be the arch villain, but he's just hanging out with Kira. And- ah, Moolaflaga. The Hawk of Enderion was that. So yeah, what's your low point, Tyler? Man, there are a lot of good scenes in this episode. Um, I guess Sai being in the cockpit having flashbacks. Even that, I I love Sai like trying to like do a good, but like clearly he's so distorted, doesn't realize that he's objectively messing up. But he's like, Kira just randomly jumped in the pilot of a mobile suit and everything was cool. I could do that too. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not, like, it's a good moment, but it's also a little cringy, so I guess yeah, that's really that's well. Fair. It's my bottom poor moment. Poor Sai. Yeah, man. poor Sai. He just gets... I, I remember in the, my very first show notes for this show, I'm like, oh man, Sai Argyle, clearly the romantic antagonist, and it, I no, now just feel bad No, everybody in that room triangle is an asshole. <laughs> uh, Zach, what's your low point? Chekhov's water, Baron. <laughs> oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. I'm going to see the creepy ramifications of Kigali being dressed up like a doll after that prison shower. Like, if you're just watching the show, it's fine. If you watch it three times to do a podcast on it like I do, ugh, that's uh, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, that grimace she had while she was showering, too. A shout out to the uh, creepy water baron drug lord who's clearly going to betray them going nowhere, too. He does really feel like a Chekhov's gun to me because they're like, Hey, this guy is a big deal. He's going to betray them. Look at all yeah. these things that he's doing to betray them. And no, this is never going to go anywhere. I kind of feel, actually, that makes it feel a lot more like a uh, tabletop game because we're like, okay, so your party is out gathering supplies for the crew. Uh, Rambo, make a buy check. I rolled a 20. Crap. <laughs> Damn it. I guess he's loaded now. I think what it actually is is it's supposed to be a swerve. We're supposed to think that's going to go bad, but actually Yogurt Town goes bad. Yogurt Town, maybe. By Waltfeld, that's my explanation for it. Let, well, that's the and, only and explanation also, which can come for come to. Like he's he's clearly played up to be a bad guy, but doesn't actually go anywhere. He's with like it. the evil desert Don, right? They just don't matter, and he similarly just don't matter. So speaking of don't matter, uh, next week we'll be watching episode twenty, a calm day. 
or on a calm day. I can't remember. Lacus returns. That's cool. Oh, hey. We haven't seen her in a while. Yeah. It's maybe the reason I don't like this arc so much, because it just kills all the tension that Walt felt just cooked up. But we'll talk about that next time. Any final thoughts on this episode before then? It's good. Walt still awesome. Yeah, it was surpri- like it is a surprisingly dense episode. There's like no single thing that lasts a long time, but there's a lot of like each character gets like 30 seconds of screen time and they make the most of it. And Walt Felt and Kira and Kigali get a lot. Yeah. I mean, they're main characters. Yeah. They got badges. <laughs> they have the uh, sideburns. The icon above their heads. <laughs> See you next week. Gene! <laughs> Why did I get punched for that? I don't know. Bye. Kira still has it? Hmm? Yes, I saw him many times with it on his shoulder. Uh, excuse me. Hmm? Birdie! 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 Huh? Birdie! 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 And it was meant especially for him. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019.